Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Second portion of the chapter. <clears throat> We're going then down through it almost verse by verse. Some of it we will not read, but several portions of it we will. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. That's all that we're going to read in total, and then we're going to read a lot of it during the message. Let's pause for just a moment of prayer. Lord God, take us into your hands tonight and use that which is now spoken as a vehicle by which the power of your very throne will sink deep into the heart and soul of us all. We come with different interests and different concerns, different problems, different burdens, but Lord, you know our needs We know that you can take your word and apply it to that very place in our life that it needs to be applied. So do that tonight, we pray with each of us, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. What is faith? We talked about that last week. And I gave you... Not only the King James definition as we have it, but the Living Bible definition and and then basically my own definition. And I said something like this as far as, as my own definition, as I would interpret this verse, that faith is the absolute certainty that God's going to do what he said he would do. No question. That's faith. The problem is we don't have that level of faith all the time. And we begin to question and wonder and doubt and try to find other ways that we might achieve the same goal or in some cases seek out different goals, different objectives for our life. But as Christian people, we find it all the way through the scripture that God brings us back to a point in which he does not tell us everything that's going to be done and when it's going to be done because he wants us to trust him so much that we won't doubt even though we can't see. Now that's, that's our goal. That's our objective as Christian people to, to come to that point. And the whole 11th chapter is filled with people from the Old Testament that in essence achieved that. And it's those people that we want to look at and see what was it in their life that caused them to be considered faithful because of their very uh, devout trust and dependence upon God. Last week we talked about Enoch and Noah, and Abraham. This evening, I want us to begin in the 11th verse with Sarah. Sarah, you will remember, was Abraham's wife 
who had no children. She was 90 years old. And Abraham was, well, Sarah was 89 at the time, and Abraham was 99. They were 190 when they had a child. Totally out of reason to think that anybody in that age bracket is going to be a father or a mother, and yet it was accomplished. Because God had a plan and asked Abraham and now Sarah to believe in what he told them. And that was, Sarah, you're going to have a child. And he's going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. And when that was told to Sarah back there in the tent, she stood behind the curtains for the Lord told Abraham, and not Sarah, but Sarah overheard, and she laughed. This was a laugh of doubt to start with, but it suddenly turned into a laugh of belief when she began to see that the Lord was true to his word. And this 11th verse says that it was faith that caused Sarah to receive the strength to conceive when she's 90 years old to deliver a child. Because with God, everything is possible. And we need, as Christian people, to come to that point to realize that it may be beyond human capabilities. Totally out of reason as far as our understanding is concerned. But there is nothing that God but what God, there is nothing but what God can achieve it. Regardless of age or whatever else might be wrong with us. If God says it, we can be sure it will happen. That's the lesson that Sarah had to learn. And when she learned it, she changed her laugh of unbelief to a laugh of faith. And the scripture says that she judged him Faithful. She determined in her own mind that God was indeed faithful in what he said he would do. Because of her willingness to judge God faithful, she became the mother of the forerunner of our Lord. Go down to verse 13. These all died in faith. It begins, that reference is to Sarah, to Abraham, to Noah, to Enoch. They all died in faith. Not one of them received the promise that they had been given. Not one of them. The promise was that they would be the forerunner of the Christ child, the Messiah. The promise was to Abraham that he would be the father of a great nation. He didn't even have a child. And they all died without seeing the fulfillment of the promise that God had made. I remember a road in Ritchie County that is now called Route 74 that went through my home community. It was just 20 miles of 
very rough, narrow, potholed uh, piece of road. My uncle had said that he wanted, before he died, to see that made a state highway and be upgraded to standards that would be normal for any good quality highway in West Virginia. He almost achieved it because there's four miles left that aren't finished before he died. He did see it named the State Highway and given the number 74. But his object and goal was to see something achieved. He did not see it with his physical eyes, but in his mind and in his heart, he had something that was going to be achieved for that community. And that was a good highway into it. You see, it took an hour to go 20 miles when, uh, in, in those days. That was the kind of road it was. It still takes 35 minutes to go that 20 miles if you hurry. He saw it afar off, and that's what the scripture says. These people did not see the fulfillment of what God had promised, but afar off they knew that it would be achieved in God's time frame. They saw it afar off. We sing a hymn that there is a land that is fairer than than day, and by faith we can see it afar. Is there anybody in this congregation that does not have an image in your mind and heart of what heaven is? You haven't seen it yet, but you believe you will achieve it because God said it, and we take it on the strength of that. They saw it afar off and were persuaded of them, continuing in verse 13, and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They didn't belong here. Abraham didn't belong here. Noah didn't belong here. His home was not here. His home was in heaven. And they said, we're simply strangers and pilgrims here on the earth. And I think we need to understand that's all we are. We're just traveling through. If our object and goal is to live here, we've missed the purpose of God. If our object and goal is to simply have pleasure and happiness and all the things that go with it upon earth, but have no concept as to what heaven is like, we have fallen far short of taking God by faith. Look at verse 15. Well, look at verse 14 first. They that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. That's always a confusing verse in the King James. Really what it's talking about, they're talking about saying they're strangers and pilgrims. And he said those people who say they're strangers and pilgrims on earth say that because they are declaring that they seek a country where their home really is in heaven. Those last words, of course, are mine. Verse 15. 
And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had opportunity to return. Now I want you to listen to this verse and decipher it well. Had these Old Testament patriarchs been mindful of where they came from, they might have been tempted to forget about living for God and go back to the way and to the place that they were living. Had Abraham, for example, dwelled upon where he came from and not been willing to follow God as to where he was, God was leading him, he might have been tempted to give second thoughts about maybe I should not have launched out on this journey. Maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I should go back home to the Chaldean mountains and forget this thing about finding a promised land that God had said he was going to lead me to. I don't know how many of you have ever done that, but listen, I have, and I'm sure that most of you have, if not all of you, if you'll be honest, have actually had second thoughts about your decision to become Christian. when you began to wonder if it was really worth it. That's exactly what this verse is talking about. To put our mind on the place from which we came instead of our mind on the place to which we're going. They might have returned to their old life had they given second thoughts and yielded to those thoughts of returning back to what they once had. But they did not, and why? Verse 16 tells us that now they desire, they desire a better country, that is, heaven. But here's the phrase I want you to notice in verse 16. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. I had to stop and look at that several times and ask myself the question, is it possible that God could be ashamed of us? Yes, and I think it is possible. I can remember saying to my kids, as they were growing up, and got into difficulties and it was embarrassing me, I'm absolutely ashamed of you. You ever say that? Or have it said to you. I'm ashamed of you. Let me tell you. My dad never had to say that to me very many times. He cut me to the quick with those words. And I remembered them. And if there was anything in this world. That I do, did not want to do. And to this day do not want to do. Is cause my father to be ashamed of me. If there is anything in this world that you and I ought to desire is to make God proud of us. And not be ashamed. A professor in college and a, another individual were discussing a student and the second person referred to this individual as a student of the professor. And the professor responded, he may have attended my classes, but he was never any student of mine. I 
think God can say he may have attended my churches, but he was never a disciple of mine. Two preachers were talking. One said to the other, so-and-so is a convert of mine. And the second preacher said, oh, when did he come to the Lord? He said, I didn't say he came to the Lord. I said he was my convert, not the Lord's convert. There are lots of people who are preachers' converts who have not been converted by the Lord. God would have to be ashamed. If we desire this world more than we desire to serve Him, what possible pride could He take in us? All right, go on to verse 17. By faith, going back to Abraham again, when he was tried. Well, you remember the trial of Abraham? He didn't have any children. He had no heirs. And God said, you're going to be the father of a great nation so great that you can't even number them. Look up at the stars. You see all those stars. Your, your uh, descendants are going to be even more numbered than those stars you see up there. And then finally, he does have a son when he's 100 years old. And then God says, take him out to a hillside which was the very hill upon which Jesus was crucified, and there I want you to tie him and lay him on an altar and offer him as a sacrifice to me. You talk about a trial when God asks you to do something that you don't see how possibly you can achieve it. And yet Abraham was obedient because he believed God. When we go through trials, we talked about that last Wednesday night, of trials and so on, but when we go through trials, if the Lord places a trial upon us, he is doing it, doing it to see what kind of caliber individual we are. What are we made of? What's our fiber? Can he depend upon us when the tough times come? Can he trust us to carry through even when we don't understand what it's all about? Could he ask us to take our son to a hilltop and put a dagger in his heart and we would not question his motive? But most of the time we have difficulty even getting out to church on a comfortable Sunday. Go to verse 23. We begin to talk about Moses. Skipping over Isaac and Jacob and Joseph because of time. We've got to talk about Moses. Verse 23, Moses, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents. That's talking about, about Moses' faith here, but about his parents' faith. They made a decision that they would not allow their boy to be killed simply because Pharaoh had ordered it, and so they hid him for three months until they could hide him no longer, and then in faith set him afloat on the Nile River, hoping that Pharaoh's daughter would catch him 
when he floated down to where she was bathing, and that's exactly what happened. And then verse 24, Moses is now growing up, and by faith for Moses when he was come to years. I want you to notice the real faith of Moses. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He gave up position. He was in line to be the Pharaoh of Egypt. He was trained for this purpose in the courts and the schools of Pharaoh. In the seat of government. He was trained in all of the things of philosophy and religion and science and all the things that that a person in the best schools would be taught. And he would have been made the next pharaoh of Egypt. What man is there that would turn down the privilege of of being given that kind of honor? But here Moses refused any longer, gave up the position. And what did he do in verse 25? He chose rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God. Oft times, Christian people, when there is conflict, start running. Get away from the conflict. Don't have any part of it. That's, what, that's true, not to be a part of the conflict. But it is not true that we ought to run so that we can escape having to deal with the issue. If there's a problem, let's face it. Let's deal with it. And let's remain a family of God. It's not time to run and hide. It's time to stand up and be counted when we face difficulties. His people that he grew up with, his community, his loved ones, his buddies, his friends, his nationality, were in slavery. He went out and saw the condition of those people. And he chose to leave the palace of Pharaoh. And it says, rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, he went back to the poverty and the hardships of his people. The person that God can be proud of is one who will pass up personal pleasure in order to be where God wants him to be at the right time. Now one of the things you notice about this verse is that pleasure of sin is only for a season. In other words, it's very short-lived. All of us know that. Do you know, I think of that every time I overeat. I am trying to lose weight and doing no good at it. And I rationalize when I sit down to a fine meal that I positively must gorge myself. Do you know how long that pleasure lasts? Just until I quit eating. And then there's no more pleasure to it. It's over. Now I suffer the consequences trying to figure out how to get that extra weight off. (laughs) You understand that, don't you? Some of you don't understand that. You don't have to do that. Is not that true? What sin can you think of 
that possibly has a long-lasting pleasure aspect to it. When it's over, it's over. And then we just face the consequences. And Moses could have had all the pleasures that Pharaoh's house had to offer, and he gave it all up because he wanted to suffer. Isn't that rather strange that a person gives up pleasure in order that he will have the privilege of suffering? But that's what he did. He went out to his people and suffered. Thirdly, he gave up wealth. Verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. What does that really say? That he would rather suffer for Jesus Christ than to enjoy all of the riches of the treasures in Egypt. Why? Because he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. In other words, let me read it this way. He was looking forward to receiving a reward in heaven more than he was desiring to enjoy the riches of earth. It makes no difference how much money we have one millionth of a second after death. Right? Because it all stays here. We go out into eternity with not even clothing on our back. The clothes that we wear as we ascend into heaven were brought down from heaven and placed upon us by Jesus Christ. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Says a hymn. Verse 27, he says that he forsook Egypt. Verse 29 refers to the Hebrew people. They passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. They did it by faith. Remember that the Hebrew people had an Egyptian army behind them. Three million of them were looking at the Red Sea. And Moses said, march toward the Red Sea. I suggest to you the Red Sea means a whole pile of problems stacked up there, impossible to be overcome. Those Hebrew people could not possibly go across that Red Sea and survive. They're going to drown in it. And yet God said to Moses, tell the people to march toward the sea. That pile of problems... That's what faith is when we're willing to march toward our problems head on, never knowing if they're going to be there or be gone by the time we get there. When they got there, because they believed when they got there, the sea opened up and they went across on dry land. I suggest to you, when we believe in God strong enough, our problems will separate and God will provide us a path through them. When we've got enough faith, 
But listen, they had not done what he ordered them to do. They had drowned in the sea just like the Egyptians. Jericho, the walls came tumbling down in verse 30, and we were going to quickly have to quit here now. Can you imagine a group of people marching around a city wall, you know, those huge walls, so wide that you could run three or four chariots abreast, wide as this room, down around that wall, and the Hebrew people come to the city of Jericho, and God says, march around the wall. So they all go around the wall. For seven days, they'll go around the wall. The seventh day, he said, go around it seven times. And so around the wall, they march seven times. What for? That's silly. But they didn't ask why. They just did what God said. And then he said, all right, get ready to blow the trumpets and shout and head toward the wall. And you know what happened? Before they got to the wall, the wall had fallen down, and they just walked right over it. And there was a, a harlot, a woman of ill repute in that city who had enough belief in what was happening that she uh, assisted the spies that had gone into the city. And there's a long story here that we don't have time for. Her name was Rahab, and she's referred to in verse 31. Do you know that Rahab is the great-grandmother of King David? There is a harlot in the ancestry of our Lord. But she had faith in God. Let me quickly three, say three things down verse 33 on. 33 and 34, which we shall not read, talks about the success that people can have who have faith. Fires were quenched and they escaped the sword and all kinds of things. Verse 35 talks about miracles that are performed because people had faith. And verse 36 and 37 talks about an entirely different thing, and that is oftentimes people who are faithful do indeed suffer. They'll be mocked, there'll be all kinds of trials, they will be scourged and put in imprisonment, and all of those things stoned, and, all, and even some of them, verse 37, were, were with a saw, were actually sawed in two because of their faith, slain with the sword. And the scripture says in verse 38, of those people who were that faithful, the world was not worthy of them. The world is not worthy of a person who has faith. You want to be successful, you want to be above and beyond what this world can even touch. You want to be the greatest person the world has ever seen. You just have enough faith and you will achieve it. Because it's faith that God wants to see in people. Not performances, not money, not attendance in church per se, and all these things. He wants to see people who will believe him because he said it, and therefore it's so. Most of us have difficulty getting to that point. Verse 39 says, They all, these that we've referred to, obtained a good report, were well thought of in heaven, they received the promise that they were looking for because they had faith. Well, there's more there to be said, but that's time to quit. What does the Lord want of us? Nothing more than to just take Him at His word. Believe Him. 
Let us pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at James sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.